and welcome to the DFS Academy NFL podcast for week nine. I'm your host, Matthew, aka Dark Sheep. And this week from the DFS Academy, I have Parker joining me. First of all, Parker, uh, thanks for filling in for me a couple of weeks back. I don't know if I ever thanked you in person. Oh, yeah, of course. It was fun to get to do a podcast with myself. I didn't have to you know, fight to talk over anybody, but it was fun anytime. Uh, and how are you doing? Doing well. It's been a couple weeks since I've been on the podcast. I think the last one was a solo podcast, but I'm happy to be back. I'll let you continue with the introductions, but special guest tonight, so I'm really excited for this one. Yes, yes, we have a special guest again tonight in the line of special guests. Maybe the most special. How about that? We have Kyle Murray. <laughs> who doesn't want to associate with any noise. <laughs> he is, he is uh, from Fade the Noise. Kyle, how are you tonight? I'm good. I appreciate you guys uh, shooting me an invite and getting me on the podcast. I'm always down to talk anything sports and DFS related, so to do it on a podcast is going to be fun, and I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. For those who aren't really aware, you want to just give yourself a little introduction better than probably that I just did. Yeah, so uh, like Matt kind of alluded to, I'm working at Fade the Noise right now where you guys can follow us on Twitter at FTN Daily, um, or you can follow myself at Kamer DFS. Doing a lot of DFS content over there for pretty much all the sports. Um, we have pretty much teams for all the sports, but I do the main sports. A lot of projections and, and ratings and ownership and all that stuff. It's kind of my forte over there. So we are kind of in the middle of football season. So every week I have the ownership that I just put up actually tonight. So ownership, the, the projections, all that stuff, and uh, an article coming out every week. So that's kind of what I'm doing over there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped to talk about this week with you guys. It should be a fun time. Parker does our projections here. So that's that's good that you guys are here together. Everybody's happy. There's nothing weird going on in the world right now. We're just going <laughs> to be here and talk some sports. Running into week nine here, we are uh, we're away from the wind. The wind is gone, but now we have the uh, the COVID flare-up, and there's actually quite a few instances it's going to probably, well, it, it is going to affect uh, some games. So first of all, we have uh, Matt Stafford, who is, wasn't he on the list before? Am I crazy for thinking about that? Yeah, they put him on the list, but it looks like based on the way the, the five-day rule works, as long as he keeps testing negative, he'll be able to play on Sunday. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. So maybe that won't be as big of an effect because uh, if not, I think it's uh, Chase Daniels. And uh, Parker, you have any takes on Chase Daniels quick if we do get him? Besides to cross him out of your player pool, not so much. Yeah, that'll be very important. But uh, yeah, but yes, yeah, sorry, excuse me. But that being said, if Matt Stafford, like Kyle alluded to, he, he did get put on the list yesterday. So if he tests five days in a row, Wednesday to Sunday, he will be eligible to play. But if he doesn't, that's just, it's an even bigger downgrade. There's not going to be Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones has looked terrible this year. Marvin Hall, he's the guy who can get behind the defense, but I don't know that I'll be having many Lions exposure if we don't have Matt Stafford. Kyle, you see any value there with or without? Uh, it, it would be really tough to see that offense doing a whole lot, even in a great matchup with with Chase Daniel. I I would feel better about the situation with Chase Daniel than we were feeling last year when they were filling in with David Blau and, and Driscoll with uh, Stafford going down last year. So, but Chase Daniel would be a slight upgrade. That's kind of why they brought him into Detroit. And, you know, they, they noticed that that was an issue for them last year. So it'd be a little bit of an upgrade, but yeah, it'd be tough to find a ton of value. But um, yeah, hopefully Stafford plays because that is a spot that I, I'm somewhat interested in. I think uh, with the whole Kenny Galladay issue there, I think some ownership might be away from that game when typically it would probably be a fairly popular game. But it's a great spot for the Lions. Quickly moving on here, uh, we have basically the whole defense from the Ravens is on the list. 
yeah, I think two people tested positive and a bunch of other people are on the list. Close contact. That's kind of a big deal. Parker, does that improve the matchup there at all for you? Um, if, or, if or I guess are more people available to come off the list here too? Uh, well, do we have the names for the people? Because I know most of these people were just high-risk targets. I don't, did we ever get names on who it actually was? Yeah, so the it was Marlon Humphrey was the positive test. Yeah. Uh, and then Matt Juden, Tyus Bowser, Patrick Queen, LJ Fort, and Malik Harrison, and Terrell Bonds, and Deshaun Elliott are all on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. Okay, well, that's interesting. I think about three or four of them have been playing a lot of snaps, so that it does it does make things a little bit interesting. I mean, I had planned on talking about this game a little later, but the Colts are just such a there's there's such a weird situation now, especially with Jonathan Taylor missing the last couple practices. You don't know what the running back situation is going to look like, and even when he does play, he's just been he hasn't been good this year. Looks not very explosive. He doesn't find the lanes very well. He's losing work to Jordan Wilkins. Naheem Hines still has his pass-catching role. And then in the receiving core, I think T.Y. Hilton has practiced again today. Their receiving core is just in all kinds of shambles. Phillip Rivers isn't going to be a guy to push the ball down the field. It's, it's an interesting spot for the Ravens, but I don't know. I don't know what to do with these Colts this week. Yeah, looking, uh, I think, I mean, there's basically no ownerships on the Colts side of this game. Is that what you're also seeing, Kyle, when you ran your numbers? Uh, yeah, not, not a lot going on. I also have uh, Hilton projected to not play this week, so that could change. I, I don't see him being a guy that's going to get a ton of ownership. And then Taylor, with the injury news, I have him you know, under 3%. So, yeah, shouldn't be many, if any, guys in that double digit or even maybe even over 5%. So, yeah, not a lot of ownership going to the Colts this week. Does that interest you? I know you're a, you're a, a big tournament player. Yeah, I'm. Um, I just can't really get behind the indie offense right now. I would. I would have some interest in the Baltimore side. I think we're still going to see some lower ownership. Lamar Jackson at six nine hundred on DraftKings is. I don't know for sure, but it feels like it's the lowest it's been probably since the beginning of last year, where you know he kind of broke out. But that's a low price for him, and I still have him at under five percent, where he's kind of been floating around over the past few weeks. Just not a lot of people getting to him and their builds, but. Uh, I got that when it was, you know, when he was in the 8Ks or even high 7s, but now he's under 7K. So, he, you know, he piques my interest a bit. I don't expect Ingram to play, and we saw J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards both kind of get the ball at double digits and run, run extremely efficiently. So I'll have some interest in there. J.K. Dobbins was kind of the guy. He played, I, I believe, 65 70% of the snaps. Uh, Gus Edwards did get double-digit touches, but if J.K. Dobbins is going to be playing 60 70% of the snaps, I know it's not a great matchup, but – uh, it's definitely a spot that I'll be looking at as he's still under 5K. Yeah, I know. I, I keep going back to the Lamar Jackson well. Uh, most weeks I build a couple of lineups with him. Uh, I've been personally just mostly stacking him with one guy on his team. Usually, you know, Andrews or uh, Marquise Brown. I've heard already, you know, a couple different places people are talking about the squeaky wheel narrative with yeah. Marquise Brown. He's been kind of called him out for not getting him involved. Kyle, how do you like to stack Lamar? I mean, the yeah. prices are falling on these guys that he's with too. So, Yeah, for me, I, I like to stack him just with Andrews because I feel like if you're going to have a pass catcher, you know, really kind of hit that value. Marquise Brown, he could make the big play, but he hasn't really been at a price to where that one big play is really going to give you a, a strong tournament winning score. So you need 
the high volume as well as probably a touchdown. And he just doesn't really get that. It's just the, the mold of their offense. But when you look at a guy like Andrews, he could you know have two catches, both of them be for touchdowns. And I don't think anyone would really bat an eye. And now he's 4,800. So he's, he's uh, extremely affordable and probably some people even call him, you know, underpriced. So I'm probably looking at pairing Lamar with Mark Andrews, you know, he's been very bad this year. Uh, hasn't really been used as much as he probably wants to be as many of these pass catches are because they're just running the ball so much. But Andrews is probably the guy that I'm looking to pair Lamar with. Parker, any, anything there on the round? Uh, yeah, like Kyle had mentioned, it's it's kind of tough to get to two of these guys in the same lineup at the Ravens stack with Lamar because if you're looking at a Lamar ceiling game, you need him to get that 100-yard rushing bonus and probably run one in as well as throw the passing touchdowns. So when you start allocating all the yardage and all the points around, it's tough to get three guys in there. So normally I would like to stack him with uh, Mark Andrews like Kyle had mentioned. But then if I was thinking about it today is if you're going to be running a – if you're correlating your stack – there's not much you want to bring back on the Colts. And if you do, Trey Burton looks like the best option. And I don't think double tight end with Trey Burton sounds all that appealing. So I may I may be looking more towards Hollywood this week specifically. Just because you want to use that tight end position for other ways. Yeah, if I'm going to be doubling, if I'm going to be double up on tight end, it's probably going to have to have other Kelsey or Waller in there for me. Kyle, I guess uh, that's kind of come up in the past. I personally just never build double tight ends. Do you have situations that you like to? Yeah, like last week. So I'm normally pretty anti-tight end in the flex. Um, but last week was one that I, I liked um, because I obviously didn't work out because Kittle got hurt. But I had I had Kittle projected as if he was a receiver, he'd have been the second highest projected receiver for me. So I was very high on Kittle and Kelsey and even Waller. So that was a week where I was on the, the tight end and the flex train. But I typically don't love to do it because I feel like if you're doing it, it's because you're trying to save salary. And that's kind of capping your, your ceiling. So unless there's like a, a guy under 3K that you're really, really confident in. Um, for example, if a guy like Irv Smith were to kind of completely take over the role there and he'd be under 3K, he's a guy with a ceiling, but he's just not really getting the playing time. So something like that. Um, we've had a couple of cases, Burton, a couple of weeks ago where he was very cheap. So there I can see it. But typically if I'm trying to save at, at tight end, it's because I want to pay up at other positions like running back and receiver or even quarterback. So I typically don't. Don't get behind the uh, the the tight end the double tight end strategy too often. All right, moving on. Let's see. We have the Tex. I have the Texans next on the list to shut down their facility today. Uh, let's see. Jacob Martin, linebacker, tested positive, and two other linebackers were placed on the reserve list due to close contact, and it, they are all ineligible to play. So uh, this game was already looking to be pretty high up there in terms of popularity. And now we get even a little bit less defensive potential from the Texans. Uh, Parker, I'll, I'll let you start wherever you want on this game here. The uh, uh, Houston and Jacksonville. Uh, this one has been kind of bugging me all day because now we have obviously the Jaguars aren't going to be playing Minshew this week. So Jake Lutton is going to be playing for them. I think he was a sixth round pick from Oregon state. Never seen him before on the NFL level. So I think we could potentially get a little bit of DJ Chark ownership this this week. People maybe getting a new quarterback. Maybe they're one more week they're going to give him a chance, especially in this high total game, running it back with their Texan stacks. For me, I have I've had this infinity for James Robinson all year. I really I really enjoy watching him run. I think he's a really good running back, and 
especially this week with his price, people are going to see that he's 7,000 on DraftKings and they're probably going to shy away from that when you can just, you can get down to, you can get down to Chase Edmonds where a lot of people are going to go. You can go up, a, probably you can go up a thousand to Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. So I don't think he's going to catch a lot of ownership. He's going to be a guy to target a lot at the running back position. If I'm trying to be unique, if I'm playing my, if I'm playing the high owned stacks or I'm playing some of the chalkier pieces, he's going to be a guy I go to first. Do you, do you want to put him in a game stack here or more on his own? It's tough because if you're putting him in a game stack, he gets his best use when he's getting a ton of carries. He has, I think he leads all running backs in football and opportunity share. He's getting about 83% of all of the running back usage for that team. And if they get behind the Texans, I don't see him getting too many carries, which he needs. He's got a lot of rushing touchdowns this season. He does have, he gets about four targets a game. So he's not completely dead if the Jaguars get behind. But if you're running a Texan stack with Deshaun Watson, you're probably going to be looking to one of the receiving options. And I don't think I'm going to be stacking up any Jaguars with Jake Ludden, a quarterback. Or... Kyle, where do you sit on this game here? I think it's going to be an ownership thing for me. I really like this game going into the week. But with the uh, with the new quarterback situation, I'm a little worried about it, just the, the ability for it to really shoot out. Um, if Robinson's going to, be, going to be popular, I'll probably lean towards fading him because, like Parker mentioned, there's a lot of ways to see him failing if the – if the Jags fall behind, you know, Chris Thompson should be back this week after missing last game, uh, being on the COVID list, but I believe he's going to be back. So that'll obviously take some potential snaps and targets away from Robinson. But we've seen him be involved in the passing game, probably not as much as most people would like. And we, he had a big boost last week. Uh, but I, I think overall it's going to be an ownership thing for me. This is a, a game I do have some interest in, but I'm a little worried about the game script uh, with the, with Houston potentially just blowing them out. Um, we've seen Houston lean to the pass a lot. So, I wouldn't be too worried about stacking that side in particular, but uh, it's more of an ownership thing. Uh, Robinson's a guy that grades out really well for me. He projects as the fourth highest running back for me in terms of total points. So I do like him, but uh, I'm a little bit worried about him potentially seeing a good amount of popularity coming off his monster week prior to the bye. So if you're worried about uh, the passing game script, what do you think about either the uh, D Johnson's? I don't mind David Johnson. I, I think he's really interesting. He's another guy who just isn't getting ownership for the the role that he has. His his role looks a lot better than it truly is because they throw so much. So like his rushing share will look a lot better than than it really is because uh, his what seventy seventy seven percent or sixty seven percent rushing share isn't as good as a sixty eight percent rushing share from somebody else because they don't run as much. But um, yeah, I still think he's very interesting at that price. He's a very strong value play in my opinion, and he makes a lot of sense as. A, a kind of a leverage play off of what will probably be the chalky way of stacking this game. Obviously, with Watson and, and the receivers over there, it would be a, a good leverage spot to kind of uh, go for the running game rather than the passing game. Let's see. Moving down my COVID list here that I made, uh, we have the uh, the Cowboys perhaps have given up completely Cowboys. Andy Dalton is on the COVID list after clearing the concussion protocol. First of all, Parker, do you believe that? this do you, do you think he actually has it there's a good chance he doesn't and he might I, I can't believe that he wasn't seriously injured after that hit he took to the head but hey if they said he tested positive i'm not going to be the person to tell him now <laughs> kyle any 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 uh inside connections in the uh, cowboys locker room no, not for me. Um, I, I am excited to see potentially Cooper Rush starting. He uh, went to the same college as me, so um, hopefully we see Cooper Rush. I'm, I'm a big fan of Cooper Rush because of that, but uh, I know it's between him and probably Garrett Gilbert right now, but 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they were playing a little bit of a of a of a game with the COVID list because I'm sure they're not the only team that's done it with the with the rules that they have of moving people on and off of that list. But um, yeah, no speculation from me. All right. Well, uh, since you are the the Cooper Rush expert, if he plays, or even I guess either one, either of these guys, if they play Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush, are you going to be going to any Dallas skill players? I mean, now or for the rest of the season. I mean, Zeke is appealing at the price that he's at, but I I just can't get behind any of it. I mean, I, I do think Cooper Rush can probably run the offense better than Ben DiNucci did. I still don't have a whole lot of faith in it, though. But at the price, Zeke's still going to get the ball. And at that price, the volume alone could kind of carry him to value. But I don't know if they have a, a really massive ceiling. And I don't really love the spot, so I probably won't get to him this week. And I guess it'll be kind of a wait-and-see thing for the rest of the year. Parker, what about you? Nothing against. I had to actually look this up. So nothing against your Central Michigan team, Kyle. But I were I wasn't sure either of these quarterbacks were real people. So I had to make sure I had to Google them to make sure that I could put a face to a name. But yeah, I don't think the Cowboys if they're always on TV for some reason and they're just terrible and they they get nothing done on offense. The offensive line is completely beat up right now. Zeke isn't Zeke's getting less and less opportunities every single week. We saw see we saw Amari Cooper get I think five targets last week and Michael Gallup get third. 13 for some reason on the outside new quarterback again this week so there's not going to be any continuity i just i think it's a stay away unless you're taking deep tournament darts at low ownership plays yeah i i joke that cooper rush was a madden creative player name 100 <laughs> i guess with that we have pittsburgh which has a uh, look here they have well i'm seeing 27 and a half point total implied total uh, they're up there towards the top. Do you think uh, even in a blowout type situation, Kyle, do you have any interest in Pittsburgh? Yeah, they make some sense just in the fact that the matchup is so good. Uh, probably one of the best matchups you could really imagine, for especially for a running back, because it's going to be hard to um, envision a world where Dallas doesn't have a solid lead here. And the price on Connor is actually, it, at one point it was in the mid-sevens, and now it's down under 7K. So Connor's a guy that I like a lot. He's going to be very popular, though. So with the fact that they are mixing in, they just have so many mouths to feed there. They're mixing in touches for even the running backs. McFarland's now have been involved, not heavily, but they have been there. Uh, and then the receivers obviously have three and then four guys, if you want to include Washington out there, who they're getting the ball to. So there is room to make GPP fades if you're worried about ownership. But overall, there's there's going to be some good plays here. It's just about kind of finding one and hoping that that's the guy that kind of gets the ball that week. Cause there's a lot of guys that, that they have to kind of get the ball to, but Connor is definitely one. He's going to be the guy getting the ball to goal line. Um, and he does have a, a pretty high touchdown equity in my opinion here and a great matchup and the price is nice. I think I saw someone say that this is the highest price defense ever in DraftKings history. Did I imagine that? Did I dream that? I wouldn't be surprised. Somebody was talking about it in our Discord over at FTN, and they were like, yeah, they're 4900 and I thought they were talking on FanDuel. I was like, okay, that's not that. It's like, that's probably normal. And like, no, DraftKings. I go, oh, wow, that's that's high. But I don't know if it's the highest. It, probably the Patriots were up there a couple of years ago when they were scoring a touchdown every game defensively. But, yeah, it's definitely got to be up there, you would think. Yeah, so that high price with the ownership. Parker, are you going to be going there? 
Uh, probably not. I'm a person who likes to, I'm usually around the three K and below defense anyways. I mean, at that price, they basically have to score a touchdown and is it, it's, it's going to be the highest likelihood on the slate for defenses, but I don't want to, I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to bank fifth, almost $5,000 on a defensive touchdown when you can just pay down and your standard deviation is going to be within one or two getting, you know, like the dolphins last week are $2,400 and they broke the slate. Like there's no point in paying $5,000 for a defense that you are hoping gets a pick six for a fumble recovery for six let's see moving down the list i have next the bears offensive tackle jason springs tested positive jermaine afidi guard is also on the list uh being a high risk close contact let's see uh offensive lineman cody whitehair has also tested positive uh so i saw some talk this week about this game Kyle, anywhere you want to start in the Chicago-Tennessee game with the potential of uh, even worse offensive line? Yeah, it is because uh, Bobby Massey was also put on the IR. So with him, Effetti, and Spriggs all out, and then Whitehair, like you mentioned, it could be pretty shaky for this offensive line here. Tennessee has been an okay defense. They've really given up a lot of points, but I, I do think that it's more of matchup based. I think that they are playing a little bit under their potential due to just how many points they've given up. But overall, they're a team with some with some solid defensive, defensive players. So um, I think Chicago is interesting in the sense of maybe playing one guy here or there, like Allen Robinson, who is just so involved in the offense. Uh, Montgomery has really nice usage, so I don't mind there. But it's probably not a game that I'm looking to stack a ton of. Um, it's a tough matchup for the Titans. So it's probably a game I'm mostly staying away outside of maybe some one-off pieces like Robinson or Montgomery or or Henry or A.J. Brown, but I'm probably not looking to stack this game up much. Parker, are you going to be a fish that plays Derrick Henry? <laughs> <laughs> I've seemed to be that fish every every week of the season. but It is November, um, and you know he gets better in November. It's, it, we're getting there. I live in a, I live in the Central Valley of California, and it's, it's, it's hot here all year round. And even So I know when it gets cooler here, that means it's really Derrick Henry season. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think the the Titans offense is is somewhat interesting because we have Corey Davis all the way up to fifty nine hundred. It was this, yeah, so pretty much six thousand dollars. AJ Brown sitting right just above him, and I don't think either of them are going to catch a ton of ownership because the Bears still have this aura around them that they're one of the elite defenses. Tannehill's been kind of Tannehill's been slinging it this year. He's been. He, well, at one point, there was mumbles of MVP talk in like the first three weeks of the season, but that's kind of died down. They've started to lose games, but yeah, I don't know that I'm going to be stacking this game up. And on the Bears side, like Kyle had mentioned, David Montgomery, is, he's getting the usage. I mean, there's nobody there behind him, really. He's even catching passes now. So, I mean, everyone's seen the, the college scouting report. He's apparently the best running back of all time. And then in the receiving core, yeah, Allen Robinson's—he truly is one of the best receivers in football. That's just never had a good quarterback to play with. And then opposite him, Darnell Mooney should have a touchdown every week this season, but Nick Foles is terrible. So, <laughs> Kyle, anything quick on the uh, Chicago or uh, sorry Tennessee pass catchers over uh, Henry? No, it's a, it's a tough spot. I just don't really think this game is going to be one that's all all that appealing. I think Henry is probably the most interesting play. From the Titans, just because it's a tough matchup, so it'll be lower owned. And you know, I was all on, all on Kamara last week in in the same matchup. Um, Henry obviously doesn't have the the floor that Kamara has because of the pass catching ability, but he has much higher touchdown equity. And on some sites, especially like over on Fanduel, that's all you're really looking for. So I always think Henry's a a very strong play on Fanduel and in a matchup where he's going to be, I have my under 15% ownership. 
I just don't think really you should be crossing a guy off like that because he obviously has a massive ceiling. Um, you're, you guys are right. He does seem to play better when it gets colder out. So it's uh, it's Derrick Henry time. So, yeah, in this matchup, I think him being lower owned, targeting a great player in a tough matchup is something I always like to do. Next on the list, uh, let's see, the Cardinals. Uh, they have linebacker Devin Kennard and cornerback Byron Murphy Jr. added to the COVID list, uh, and they both did test positive. Uh, so they get, uh, let's see, oh, they get the Dolphins. They get uh, Tua coming in, and uh, who was uh, basically not a part of the game. Kyle, uh, I don't know how much you follow college football, but uh, – any any thoughts here on uh, perhaps getting in on Tua early? Yeah, I mean, I think people are going to be down on Tua, and he obviously was in a little bit of unlucky spot where they had two defensive or, or special teams touchdowns. So it's not like he he didn't throw a lot, and he didn't really he didn't really look all that great. But it was also probably the toughest matchup you can really see as a quarterback, considering you're you're looking down the the eyes of Aaron Donald every single time you're under center. That's never fun. It's not a great matchup here, but uh, he's so cheap. I think it's an interesting spot. Um, probably nothing that I would do in, in main lineups, but in MME where I'm doing you know 150 lineups, I think Tua is a guy that I'll for sure have some interest in just because he's so cheap and kind of will allow you to do whatever else you want with your lineup. Yeah, and we didn't really get a chance to see you know what kind of targets or where he's going to be putting his targets. Right. Um, so it's kind of hard to do it without MMEing and just kind of getting a couple of combinations of the targets. Parker, the chalk here in this game definitely seems to be Chase Edmonds. Like we said, he's he's a little bit cheaper than James Robinson. Everybody was saying that he is basically better than Kenyon Drake, even when Kenyon Drake was healthy. So he's looking to be popular, but uh, it seems like a fine place to go. Yeah, for the press, I don't think he's. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. We haven't seen him in this. You know, there's like this workhorse role that he potentially has this week. Every time he was on the field, when Kenyon Drake was active, they had really designed plays for him. He would come out. He would get screens. He would be the first read on a swing pass. He would get third down draw plays, whatever it may be. So he was get. He was being put in advantageous situations. I do think he's a talented running back, though. So I mean, but at the same time, if he get his ownership like over twenty percent, I don't think. I think there's other places you can go. You you do attack Miami on the ground, though. That's the one place you can get them. They're one of the best pass defenses in the league. So if that puts any kind of depressed ownership on someone like DeAndre Hopkins, that's just going to put more ownership on a Chase Edmonds. So this could sneak up to somewhere around close to 30% by the end of the week, maybe. Yeah, that's actually where I think I had interest in this game was uh, DeAndre Hopkins. If he, I think he, uh, DK, yeah, he's the highest priced wide receiver on the slate. He's still got a great projection kyle where do you have him on your projections uh for hopkins i have him at let's see here yeah i'm at about 11 percent ownership which is very low and i have him at almost 20 draftings points parker do you, i think i think you ran your projections right yeah let me pull this up real quick i think i'm i don't i don't have the ownership projections like kyle does but yeah i have him at just a shave under 20 points yeah 19.77 and i think that's a great spot to go if kyle if kyle got his ownership projections at about 10 11 i think that's a great spot to leverage off some of that chase edmonds ownership who's going to be almost two and a half times the ownership uh kyler gets it done on his feet too so kyle what do you think about kyler being very careful there <laughs> yeah uh a lot, a lot of people have to uh kind of check that out because I, I got an email the other day from somebody that says in the DFS industry and they called me Kyler. It's always funny, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I always have interest in Kyler because he has that, that 
kind of unmatched ceiling with what a lot of people can do with, that he can on the ground, and that's always uh, nice. And the way that they use him, they're often using him in the red zone, allowing him to run. So he's always a guy I do have interest in, one of the higher ceilings on the slate. And now with, with less – in. I don't want to say less interest, but I, I had a ton of interest in Watson coming into the week, and now I'm, I'm kind of scaling back because I think he'll be popular. I think that, that game will be popular, and I, I'm a little bit worried about the narrative of that game, the game script anyway. So, yeah, I think Kyler is always a great play, and especially when that combination between him and uh, and Hopkins is going to be low-owned. I don't even mind throwing Edmonds in that in that stack there because I have Edmonds at about 16% ownership right now. I think that will go up as the week goes on. Uh, because Kenyon Drake was rumored to be questionable. I don't think that there's any merit there. I don't think there's any chance he plays, but apparently Kingsbury's blowing smoke saying he could, um, or at least he's questionable. So his ownership will probably go up and kind of offsetting that ownership with some leverage, pairing Kyler with Chase Edmonds and, and Hopkins, I think makes some sense in just getting your lineups to be unique with, with getting some good plays in. The last one on my list that affects us this week is uh, the Chiefs. Pass rusher Chris Jones has been placed on the COVID list, uh, so he will not be able to play. Uh, and let's see. Oh, it's just an, a, a staff member. So it's just Chris Jones. But uh, that's a good way to put us into this game, the uh, Kansas City-Carolina game, a uh, huge implied total on Kansas City. Uh, they just sort of dominated the slate last week. Parker, what do you think about Kansas City this week? I think Kansas City is always a good play, to be honest. I mean, something like last week when they were playing the Jets, there's kind of this sentiment around them is when they have this huge team total and they were, what, almost 20-point favorites or something egregious against the Jets. People don't want to play them because they assume it's just going to be a blowout and they aren't going to throw in the second half. But those points have to come somewhere. And like we saw, Mahomes slung five touchdowns last week, one of the high-scoring quarterback. And I think it's something its something that's on the table every single week with him. Andy Reid loves to throw the ball. He has some of the best weapons in football and every week. And we're seeing now we're seeing the running back situation get really muddy with Le'Veon Bell coming in. So I don't have the snap shares in front of me, but I feel like they both played really low percentage of snaps last week. Clyde Rizler didn't get many opportunities. So I don't know that I'm going to be going to either of them per se, but yeah, in the passing game, it, it, it does get tough with the salary restrictions, trying to play Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill together, especially with these Carolina guys. They're not cheap like the Jets were last week, but I think there's still a good spot, and I think they're still going to put up a lot of points. Uh, yeah, and I think I've seen some talk about Sammy Watkins potentially coming back this week, but if he is out again, it's, it's really hard to pick between Hardman and Robinson each week if, who's – who's going to get the targets of those two or even the snaps. Kyle, I, I have a Teddy Bridgewater problem. I'm here to admit, <laughs> or maybe it's not a problem. I'm not sure, but I, I somehow land on him each week. Uh, so I'm going to give you the passing game here against the chiefs without Chris Jones. Do you have any interest in that? And then we'll get to the, uh, the uh, Christian McCaffrey shaped. Yeah. Question. I, I I think I'll always have interest in these these uh, these receivers here because that offense, their their passing attack, their passing volume is so narrow. Like it, most of it's just going to those two guys, uh, and they'll get their running backs involved. And I assume the running backs will be more consistently involved. Like we saw Davis heavily involved throughout his first few starts, and then he kind of tapered off in terms of his pass game involvement. I don't think that'll be a thing with McCaffrey. I think it'll be fairly fairly consistent with his involvement in the passing game. So it'll mainly just be Anderson more and then McCaffrey. So I'll always have some interest in these guys, and, and we haven't really ever seen their price just skyrocket. Like DJ Moore still too cheap. I know he's been 
I don't, I don't want to say bad. I just feel like he's been the, the involvement's kind of been lackluster compared to what a lot of people expected. But he's still he's still too cheap at that price tag. Um, it's not an amazing matchup. Kansas City's been a very good defense. I do think that they're gonna maybe not struggle, but they won't be as as efficient at getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, according to our defensive line tool over at FTN Daily, we we actually have Kansas City as getting the third most pressure in the entire NFL. I wonder how much that'll drop with the with the absence of Chris Jones. So um, I think I'll have some interest in these guys, but probably not stacking them up, just picking one between Moore and Anderson. And this week it's probably going to continue to be Moore because he's cheaper and, and, and lower owned. All right. Uh, then uh, who wants to take the question that is on everybody's mind uh, with uh, Christian McCaffrey coming back, uh, most likely coming back? Um, what, what kind of role has Mike Davis carved out for himself? I guess I'll try to take a stab at it. It's going to be <laughs> tough to to really give a a good answer because two weeks ago, after you know he was just on this tear of great games, really three games in a row where Mike Davis just performed really well. Uh, Matt Rule came out and said, "Hey, he's he's earned a spot. He's going to be here even when McCaffrey comes back." The last two weeks haven't been so great for Davis. I don't know if it's necessarily his fault, but um, it's in my opinion, it's, it's going to be hard for them to keep Davis involved. Like CMC is still a guy. They need to to make the priority of their offense. They're gonna have to be very creative, in my opinion, to be able to keep Davis kind of really involved to a significant point. But early on, with him first returning from what seven seven week absence, six week absence, I think it won't be any surprise to see potentially Mike Davis be involved a little bit more this week than he will be in the future. So it's gonna be tough to monitor. But again, McCaffrey's eighty five hundred last week. Last year we saw him at ten k at times. So. Uh, there is something to say about that. You know, it's a $1,500 discount compared to him at peak form last year. So there is potentially a little bit of value there. And I, I do think he'll be low owned coming off the, the long absence and the high price tag. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with the, with this situation. Parker, uh, do you have any connections in the Carolina locker room that you can give us some great insight? I wish I did. I mean, as a Saints fan, we we had Teddy Bridgewater there, but I couldn't get in contact with him this week to let you know. But yeah, Kyle made some really good points. I mean, the first thing to note is this length of absence. It was seven weeks. This isn't some two-week injury where he had a bum ankle for a couple weeks and now he's coming back. He's missed over six weeks, so he can't be fresh. He's not going to be probably in the game shape he wants to be in. And another thing is the price. It's he was about like ten thousand three hundred last year, and people were still just jamming him in as the first player into their lineups every week. So I mean, if you're going to get him at eighty five hundred, yeah, he's the most expensive running back, and it's going to be a risk. But it's not a price tag where you're you're not going to your lineups aren't going to take too much of a hit if you put him in there. And the ownership is another thing. If he's going to come in at less than five percent ownership, we've seen this guy score egregious amounts of points in games last year. And so if we Mike Davis is going to be there, I. I mean, if I had to take a stab, I would probably put it at about, you know, 70, 30-ish per 30% of snaps for Mike Davis. And there, there's, according to the Vegas odds, they're going to be down in this game. And if we get about 8 to 10 targets for Christian McCaffrey, he finds the end zone at the low-owned running back. I mean, we're there. Yeah. And All right. So that's that's the end of the COVID list that I've got here in front of me. But we uh, – and we are kind of, I guess, running low on time here. But we have uh, probably – the uh, most important game left. So let's let's jump over to Seattle and Buffalo. Kyle, is this just going to be the most popular game every week between Russ and then uh, their defense just giving up so many fantasy points? 
Yeah, it's kind of uh, the, the cumulative ownership has just been very high on this, whatever game that Seattle's in. It's been three teams, really, Seattle, Dallas, and Atlanta. Whatever games that those three teams are in, a lot of ownership is going that way. Not not so much now that Dak is gone and that offense isn't as exciting. But, yeah, Seattle's definitely going to always bring ownership. Um, but I, I love this game. I, I love Josh Allen. I love Stephon Diggs. Uh, I still think Russell Wilson's probably – I don't want to say too cheap, but he's not too expensive. I know 7,600 feels like a lot, but also he's probably he's, he's one or two in terms of, you know, guys that have been producing consistently and with with a massive ceiling in terms of fantasy production. So I think the price tag on Wilson is is fine. The only issue is who you want to pair him with. Obviously, it's been a headache the past couple of weeks. So um, luckily, two weeks ago, I was on the right part of it. Last week, I was not. I went back to Lockett last week and – uh Obviously, we saw how that went with, with DK Metcalf being the guy. So that's the headache with Wilson. But I love Josh Allen. I think 7K, he is a Kyler Murray light. I don't want to you know compare him too much because he doesn't have necessarily the rushing upside. But he does have that rushing floor that he provides. I think Kyler Murray is a little bit more electric with his rushing game. So they're not quite similar. But Allen, he loves to throw the ball deep and he loves to run the ball. So he's a, always going to be a good fantasy producer. And Diggs has been the guy for him. So I really like that pairing this week. It seems like to me, Metcalf is just being a thousand dollars more. I think he's going to end up being lesser owned, and that's probably for me. That's where I would go. Parker, what do you think about uh, the the decision each week between those two guys? For me, it's it's been the game I play is in cash games. You play the higher owned one in tournaments. You play the more priced one because he's going to be the guy that doesn't catch as much ownership. So it's looking like DK Metcalf in tournaments is going to be lower owned. I mean, we saw him take an in route what 60 yards for a touchdown last week like he's he's a he's a big play guy it's what he does he's not gonna have the best matchup this week I mean I don't, I'm not gonna be the guy that preaches cornerback matchups all week but Tredavious White is a legitimate corner in this league and he could he could see less targets per se and according and Tyler Lockett's gonna have a great matchup out of the slot this week we're still not sure about the running backs again I think Chris Carson was limited maybe this week and I don't think Carlos Hyde's going to play it all. So we're still unsure on the running back situation, but in this game, I do, I think it's going to be a lot of passing attempts. And then on the Buffalo side, we saw last week, we don't know what to do with the running backs anymore. Now that Zach Moss is back, they both played about 50% of the snaps. Moss found the end zone. So he was the better play, but I think this is a game where Josh Allen is going to have to throw probably 35 or more times. We saw last week, if you look at the box score, he didn't put up a good score, but he only had 18 passing attempts. So I think if he gets in the 32 to 36-ish passing range, he's going to he's gonna put up a big score. Yeah, like Kyle mentioned, I think the guy to go to is Stephon Diggs. He's just such an incredible talent, and Josh Allen does have an eye for him. So we do now we got kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a busy receiving core with John Brown and Cole Beasley out there. No tight end to note, but yeah, the three of them going around, you can really stack it up any way you want, but Stephon Diggs is by far my favorite play. Just a quick thing to put you here on the spot, Kyle, as the uh, more accomplished uh, tournament player here. Uh, so last week with the, the the running back news here on Seattle, uh, do, do you have any comments or anything to say about like uh, the potential of late swap and just what what you need to be looking for between the early games and the late games? Not so much this game this week, but just in general. Yeah, I, I think last week was was unique and in, in the fact that you had a lot of guys in that game that were in that same price range. Like if you wanted to to throw in, in Tevin Coleman, who obviously you, you've been better off pivoting from or Kendrick Bourne and then, you know, leaving 500 available to get to DJ Dallas, there was a unique spot. And obviously when news came out, uh, I didn't really think Hyde or Carson were going to play. Homer was a guy that was somewhat 
interesting. I, th- I thought he could potentially get in there a little bit, and obviously they just ended up not playing him at all. He was just an emergency back, and Nick Ballor, who's a fullback, ended up getting some snaps, and then DJ Dallas pretty much played the rest. So when you're able to do that and and put yourself in position to make those moves, it's it's a it's a cool thing for tournaments because we we talk about especially in basketball where information is is more key than a lot of things that we you know we do these projections and we hope they're as accurate as possible but if we're sitting here doing projections on thursday and not changing them at all obviously they're not going to be as good as someone who is changing them up until sunday so if we have that opportunity to have that information and, and put that into our projections or or decisions then you're just kind of gaining an edge there so i would say that as long as you can continue to gain information you should be able to you should want to leave, leave spots in there but do it in a smart way like you don't want to go overboard and go out of your way and kind of put yourself in a bad position to where you're just making a change to make a change. But having information in DFS is is probably one of the biggest keys that you could potentially have, especially in certain sports. So I, I think as if you're giving your, yourself the opportunity to make changes that will give you advantages on the field by just having more information, it's always something that you should be looking to do when possible. All right. Excellent. Uh, well, you can find us at thedfsacademy.com. Uh, we have this week, we have put all of our NFL stuff available for free in front of the paywall. Uh, normally it is uh, $10 a month or $3 a week. Just check out what we have. But uh, this week you can do it for free. You can get uh, Parker's projections. You can get uh, David Hess's stacks uh, and his player pool. And you can get uh, showdown cheat sheets and all that. So come check it out. And then, you know, we also are gearing up for some Masters coverage next week. And we got a bunch of stuff in the Discord. If you are a member listening to this and you're not a part of the Discord, come join us. We hang out there. We talk about latest news and updates to anything we might have put out uh, written. Uh, so, yeah, you can also follow us on Twitter at the DFS Academy. Parker, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on in the Discord a lot of the time. I don't, I'm not super active in there, but I'm always prowling around. If you guys have questions, you can always at me. You can follow me on Twitter at Parker So Serious, and that's about it for cool. me. Uh, and thank you. We just, oh, thank you, Kyle. Hello, I'm freaking out to talk at the end here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Kyle, so much for joining us. We really do appreciate your time. So I'll let you let you give your spiel too again. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. It was fun, and I'm always down to uh, talk football or DFS. So anytime you guys need a guest, feel free to uh, hit me up, and I will I'll for sure be down to join. So, yeah, you guys can find me at KamerDFS on Twitter. Uh, all my content is at FTNDaily.com. So I have a video each and every week where I run through my model, which is pretty cool because it's kind of like a first-look thing, but it also gets to see gets to show everybody what all my numbers are looking like. So I, I like to do that. So I have the video and then an article. At FTM, we actually put our exposures up every week. So we have a handful of experts that kind of, some of them are just purely DFS tournament players. They don't really do a lot of content, but they'll they'll put their exposures in there, see what kind of plays people are on. So there's a, a multitude of different content pieces that we have to kind of for, for anybody that would want videos, articles, uh, just cheat sheets, all that stuff. So again, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun. And anytime you guys need a guest, uh, feel free to kind of hit me up. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening and good luck this week.